0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. The most important thing is the Black Book, the Fantasy Black Book, the 2020 edition, the 10th overall edition of the Fantasy Black Book is out I contributed to the catchers and relief pitchers. You got Joe P. Sapia, the man, the myth, the legend behind the black book. You have Nate Dawkins, You have Eric Cross, Chris Meaney, um, Alex Chamberlain, Ariel Cohen, Chris Welsh, and so much more. So much great content, over 500-player profiles, draft strategies, Matt Modica doing NFBC stuff. You can't. You, you don't want to go to your draft season without the Fancy Black Book. Just go to Amazon.com, get the Fancy Black Book. Tell them Bubba sent you. Go check it out. It would be awesome to be, you know, first written book I'm in. It'd be great for you guys to get it, listeners of the Bench with Bubba show, and you'll be a, uh, you'll be way ahead of the group going into your drafts. So go get the Fancy Black Book over on Amazon.com. Also, if you are rating and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton. The more ratings, and reviews we get, the better. And just a heads up, I'm working on getting it done with fan tracks. We're going to have some Bubba, Bench with Bubba Listener Leagues, and it's going to result in uh, ratings and reviews. You might as well get them going now. I'll pick random people that give ratings and reviews to be in the Bench with Bubba Listener Leagues. So keep keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. But go get those ratings and reviews taken care of. Now I'd much appreciate it. But for now, Bench with Bubba, episode 234 with our good buddy Max Freeze of PictureList.com, FreeStats.com, Fantasy Pros, and so much great content on Twitter at Freeze Stats. Catch you guys later. to another episode of bench with Bubba episode 234 we got a good one a returning guest joining us to talk some fantasy baseball we're going to talk about some earned home runs we're going to talk about some very interesting players that are either popular in the Twitter sphere and some of his great content and bring it all to you to get you ready for your fantasy baseball draft season you can find his work on freestats.com fantasy pros pitcher list and on twitter at freestats max
2: freeze how we doing my friend I'm doing good, Bubba. Glad to be back on the show and ready to talk baseball. We're in the new year now, and drafts are starting to kick into gear. So, uh, very excited. This is a good time of year to kind of get ahead of the game.
1: It's definitely a good time of year to get ahead of it. And yeah, drafts are, you know, drafting old's best ball leagues are blowing and going. Um, you've been putting out content like crazy. It's uh, every every few days or every other day, it feels like you got something coming out. So, plug away. What you got going on right now? yeah um I'm
2: starting to put out rankings on my freestats.com website. Um, you can check those out as they come out um, we're go doing some going deep pieces for uh, pitcher list and then uh, during the season I do the two start pitchers for the week and the uh, sit start article for for them as well uh, and then doing some stuff over at fantasy Pros as well. I uh, also have my rankings over on that site also um, you know other than that you can follow me on Twitter at freestats. Uh, Other than that, just trying to keep up with you, Bubba, and uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's about it.
1: No, you're doing some awesome stuff. I love watching what you have going on there, the different sites you're working on, and then even you just tweeting out stuff. It's... I know the feeling when you're tweeting out things it's like it's something i want to write about but i just don't want to write about it right now so <laughs> i'm going to tweet about it is that kind of yeah. where you're at on that that's kind of how i feel sometimes
2: yeah yeah i mean sitting <laughs> down and writing an article takes a little bit of time but if you got some some good pieces of information i like to just throw it out there on twitter to see if it helps somebody out or maybe sparks a conversation about somebody so that's kind of the reason i do that
1: no doubt about it uh let's hit on just. there's a couple pieces of recent news nothing much we'll hit on the first one robinson churinos Going back to the uh, Texas Rangers, likely to be their starting catcher for now as they kind of have a, a weird uh, backstop situation. He was productive fantasy-wise, like doesn't really help you a ton in average, but does bring you some power. He's going real cheap in drafts right now. Any thoughts on a Robinson Chirinos?
2: Yeah, you know, I uh, I didn't realize how old he was. He's almost 36. Mm-hmm. He'll turn 36 this year. So, you know, expecting full-time role behind the plate probably isn't isn't what you can expect from him, but uh, he's been pretty consistent giving you over 400 plate appearances the last couple of years, 17 to 18 home runs. Um, his strikeout rates always elevated. Um, so he's not going to be a batting average asset, but then again, a catcher who is um, mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see how the new park plays. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, with the roof going in um, that, the you know be a little bit more c- controlled environment so there won't be as extremely hot days with the balls flying out of there so uh, i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing he played you know in the old stadium when he was back with texas and didn't go nuts there so you know if if he's he's a back end kind of catcher two in 12 team maybe 15 team leagues i think he's he's worth a, a late round pick if you're kind of Looking for somebody late there.
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely uh, picked 323 right now, and you're mm-hmm. drafted all of D.C., so you're getting them pretty, pretty late. You know, two-catcher leagues, not going to kill you, so very mm-hmm. interesting to take a peek at there. The other bit of news that we had is Jimmy Nelson signed a one-year deal with the Dodgers. He's going to pick like 545 right now, so he's going around De- uh, Devin Smeltzer and Sergio <laughs> Romo. Uh, basically not being drafted, it's really hard to tell what the Dodgers are going to do with him. But um, say we get some good news out of spring, what kind of interest do you have in a guy like Jimmy Nelson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was
2: he finally broke out in '17, and it was like this is it. Uh, then that terrible shoulder injury diving back to the base in 2018. I mean, it's pretty much knocked him out for two years. He had 22 innings in the majors last year. Um, so not that sample is just too small to kind of you know, determine what's going to happen next year. Um, Right now, you know, the Dodgers have their rotation set, but their bottom three, uh, Maeda, um, I think Stripling's in there and Urias has, they just don't have, uh, you know, the innings to kind of count on. They're not going to throw 200 innings and they're going to probably hit the DL once or twice, maybe be shuffled in and out of the bullpen. So I could see um, Nelson kind of starting in the pen and maybe kind of getting his strength worked up until he gets to a point where maybe they can use him as, you know, that fill-in starter. And if he kind of rolls with it, he can then have some fantasy impact. I know he's got, um, he had a pretty good strikeout rate before he got injured. Um, You know, we'll see what he looks like. I haven't seen a whole lot from him. His velocity was down last year a little Mm bit. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what his velocity looks like coming out of spring. But I do think he'll have a chance to get in the rotation if he looks healthy. And on mm-hmm. a pretty good Dodgers team, he might have a little bit of impact, especially later in the season.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. We'll have to wait and see. The the down velocity last year was a big bummer because we were all kind of – I know a lot of us were hoping he'd be a nice little you know piece of the puzzle late in the season. Didn't quite work out. We'll see what happens in L.A. They they will play the game of monitoring, him. that's for darn sure. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, let's go over a couple of your recent uh, articles out, uh, that you have out right now. We'll talk about some players that go along with them. But uh, you, you do some good going deep type stuff. And obviously, now I look at it going deep. by Identifying potential 2020 power breakouts via launch angle adjustments over on pitcherlist.com. What did you find out by looking at these launch angle adjustments? Because I, I know it's going to result in maybe high ground ball guys with good hard hit barrel guys. Uh, what are you seeing uh, when you broke into that? Yeah, so I was just looking at some
2: guys, um, and it's kind of referencing an Eno Saris article from back uh, in the spring, where uh, a metric, the max exit velocity, maximum exit velocity kind of stabilizes pretty quickly for players. And that's one of the metrics you can kind of see from a small sample. Um, and it, it is it carries over year to year, and it shows kind of uh, the quality of contact of, of certain players. Um, so I kind of looked at that, and then looked at at guys that had high uh, max exit velocities over 114 miles an hour and also had ground ball rates that were above league average uh, because a lot of the guys that had max exit velocities over 114 were guys like Pete Alonso, Mike Trout, Nelson Cruz, Gary Sanchez. You know, these are the guys that absolutely crush the ball and they also have ideal launch angles. They have lower ground ball rates hit the ball in the air a lot. And so I was trying to identify players that could hit the ball extremely hard, but hit the ball on the ground too often. And so, you know, with with uh, the launching, you know, everyone can kind of adjust their swing a little bit. They've got a lot of coaching. They've got a lot of, uh, you know, drive line and everything. And and these players can work uh, at adjusting their swing and swing attack angle and kind of improve their launch angle. And really, these are the guys that are one step away from that breakout. As long as they can make that slight adjustment, hit the ball in the air more often, they're they're more capable of hitting more home runs and, and then breaking out. So that's kind of the the gist of the of the article that I was that I got at uh, Pitcher List.
1: It, it remind it reminds me of a few years ago, when, you know Manny Machado was a doubles machine, and people kept saying if he could just turn some doubles and homers, like I know it's not ground balls, it's not the thing, but it still involves you know just elevating a little more, and right. we're gonna get some some great results. And he started to yeah. do that, and we've seen that with a few guys. Um, so he, one of the guys we're gonna talk about like five or six of them because they're they're pretty popular names in the industry Mm -hmm. these days. But Vlad Guerrero Jr. stands out because he's got a 50.4% ground ball rate. And, you know, he's got over 10 barrels over 114 miles an hour. Like, that's just (laughs) bananas when he's doing that. And and it's funny that I was looking at this when I made the outline a couple days ago. And then Chris Towers from CBS is tweeting stuff out about it today. And you look at his, you know, the steamer projections for Vlad, still hitting 295, 25 homers. Mm -hmm. What are you kind of expecting out of Vlad? Because he's that polarizing name right now where people – are still on board or some are kind of scoring because last year wasn't what we hoped it would be. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said,
2: I think some people are disappointed with, with his um, results last year, but he was only 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not everybody's going to come out and, and bust it like like Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna, but um, I still think he had a productive season. And if, looking at the, the the statistics, only Aaron Judge had more batted balls over 114 miles an hour than Black did last year, which is extremely impressive. when we're talking about entire MLB pool here. Um, and so I think that's where the 80 grade power comes from. He's been slapped with an 80 grade power. We just haven't seen it yet because he's hitting the ball on the ground too often. And so, you know, I think I saw something, I I, I can't remember who it was on driveline, but tweeted about his attack angle being lower than pretty much any major power hitter in the league. And so that kind of confirms that his his swing just is not perfect for elevating the ball. And, you know, looking at a guy like Vlad with his talent and his skills, I just think that that's a fixable thing for, for Vlad that he can get with some coaching and he can fix that swing because he's clearly got the power. He's got the raw power. And if he elevates the ball, he's already got a well, uh, well above average contact rate. So I think he can, He's a potential breakout next year. And I think the ADPs and the NFBC drafts early right now are reflecting that. I think people aren't backing off of him all that much because they see the potential. I think it's obvious. Um, You know, would I be surprised if he hit 310 with 35 homers this year? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't project it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. So I do expect him to take a step forward. Um, It's hard for me to jump in where his ADP is just because there is a, a wide range of outcomes. But I could definitely see him turning a profit this
1: year. And that's a big thing is I, I'm with you. I think he's going to be very, very good. And I'm no swing expert, but like when you talk about the driveline guys, I can picture Vlad swinging. When you see him from the side views that all the great scouts out there put on Twitter. Now he stands up so much more and his swing path is like almost strictly belly button or higher. It never really gets below his waist. So he's always, he's on top of the ball more than not, more often than not, which makes sense. So when, right. when you say it like that, all of a sudden it registers in my head. and That's why I tell people when I kind of evaluate stuff, I, I've been embracing all the stats over the last few years and the new metrics. But for me, a lot of it's eye test. That's yeah. just one thing. That's how I've grown up playing baseball. I just, I can use things like that and make sense when you put it all together. Yeah. But I'm with you with Vlad in the two senses that I do think he takes a step forward. Like you said, 20 years old, let's be real people. When we were 20, what were we really doing? Like, right. <laughs> let's, let's think about how hard it would have been to go play a grown man sport at 20 years old. Right. Um, and secondly, it's so tough when you said where his ADP is. I think he's like currently the sixth or seventh third baseman off the board. I made my third base rankings this morning that get released on Monday. And I was, was, far, sit, I was sitting there just like scratching my head because I even tweeted it out before this is one through 15 I could move all around. Like they're they're so, so deep yet so good arguments can be made. And Vlad is one of those that just stands in the middle of you could have him go as high as like fourth or fifth. Or you could see him falling outside the top ten. Right. It's it's really really going to be interesting, and he's one of those guys. I've there's there's a handful of guys out there. I know you know if you keep doing your rankings, you just plant your flag on and you make a decision, and you're either going to draft him or you're not. And flat is one of those guys. Right. So for sure. Hundred yeah. percent there. Um, a guy I like a lot is Avicel Garcia. I've always liked him. The sad thing is, is now people are catching on. He's up to pick like two thirty two in drafts, which is still not great, but for Avicel, that's outstanding. Um, had a near 46% ground ball rate last year and four batted ball events over 114 miles per hour. This guy's a stat cast darling. If you look at his page, it's all the red and all the right places. Um, what do you have on episode Garcia?
2: Yeah. Well, I, so is that an updated ADP? Cause I saw a little bit lower, but I think I was uh, looking I, I at I could have, it. I oh. could have
1: misspoken. It's 232. If you go on, uh, I'm doing draft champions from December 15th till now, 232.
2: Oh, you know, that's, that's more accurate. That's good. Because, so he is flying up the board because <laughs> yeah, he was in the 260s way yeah, back in November this in early December.
1: Yeah, since so since the since the 15th uh, he's gone as high as 206, as low as 247. He's flying.
2: Yeah, so I I mean I like him a lot too. His I mean his ground ball rate's trending in the right direction, uh, as in going down. And so um, it's it's essentially league average, which is the best, almost the best of his career. Uh, he's a super aggressive guy, so um, you know he's he's going to have some poor batted ball quality, but he still manages to hit the ball extremely hard. So he does have good power. His isolated slugging and home run to fly ball rates over the last two seasons were the best of his career, um, and he actually underperformed on my metric, my earned home run metric that we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, which is a good sign, not necessarily predictive of future success, but it's a good sign um, that he that he uh, is elevating the ball, hitting the ball well. Uh, He even chipped in some speed and he gets the park uh, upgrade in Milwaukee. So, you know, it's all going to come down to playing times, uh, the playing time that he's going to have. And I think that uh, the projections are a little light on him, at least what I've seen from Steamer. I haven't seen a whole lot of projections other than Steamer at this point. But I think he's projected for similar power numbers with uh, more plate appearances. And I think that's a little low for him. So I'll take the over on the home runs. Uh, for him next year. And I think I like him for about 25 homers and chippings, you know, six to eight steals. So that's not too bad for, for that pick.
1: hundred percent. If you're going to Miller park outside of Tampa Bay, he is projected at 20 homers last year, projected for 21 and about 28 fewer at bats in his average going from 282 to 269. It's every yeah. year. It seems like he just doesn't get the respect he deserves. It's, it's, no. it's pretty funny, but I'll keep riding that horse and he can get you 10 steals. So yeah. He does that, have good, an surprising,
2: surprisingly fast guy. He doesn't yeah. look it. He, like I think the comparisons were always to Miguel Cabrera, just because he looks like mm-hmm. him a little bit, big guy. But he's extremely fast, very good athlete, which is
1: very, very much is, so.
2: Which is good. I'd like to see him steal more bases.
1: That would be nice. Most definitely. Uh, this one, it didn't surprise me. He was on the heavy ground ball <laughs> list with a 57% ground ball rate. One batted ball event over 114 doesn't really surprise me either. But when you look at Eric Hosmer, it's interesting because he still finished with 22 homers. He still finished with 99 RBIs, 72 runs, hit 265. He didn't steal any bases. He had five or more steals for like five straight seasons. So that part, kind of a bummer. But he's going about pick 230. You have him on the list. Do you believe he's going to get even better? Because honestly, if you look at his line right now, I guarantee you no one would have thought he played that well last year. Right, right. And, you know, I struggle with him a little bit, and he's he's
2: cheap as he's ever been. So uh, that's where the buying opportunity is. Um, He's usually going around, you know, 125, 150. So it's not bad price at this point to get him after pick 200. He still hits the ball really hard. He's 30 years old. So he's not over the Hill yet. Um, But the, the 55% ground ball rate, the 60% ground ball rate. I mean, that's just what he's done. And he's done it over 5,700 plate appearances. I mean, that's, that's insane. I mean, he, that's <laughs> it's his entire career. Yeah. And it's, I just don't see him changing now. I don't see, you know, why he would change or what the reason would be. He's been like that in his entire career. Um, and the contact rates are slipping, which concerns me. His strikeout rates have gone up each of the last three seasons, went from 15, 15.5% in 2017 to 24.4% last year. So you know, he used to be a little bit of a batting average asset. And now I think that's kind of going away if he's going to strike out near 25% of the time. So Mm -hmm. I think the powers in the bat, he just doesn't have, he doesn't hit enough fly balls. He's just his, his, the way he's uh, approaches uh, approaches batting is just, is just not to elevate the ball. And I think that's just the way it is. And if he hits in the middle of the San Diego lineup, and I think it's going to be a pretty decent lineup. It's going to be improved. He can drive in a ton of runs. That's, the other asset of his game. So mm-hmm. really he, he's a 20 homer, 90 RBI guy with a decent average and you know that you could do worse at that spot, but he just doesn't excite me. I think <laughs> what are your
1: thoughts? No, no, he's not exciting at all. He's really not, but it's one of those things and you know, in head to head, maybe not, but in like a roto league as a corner infielder where you can literally set it and forget it. And you said 20, 90 with like 25, 100 upside, Maybe he gets back to stealing five bags. That would be tremendous. Go hit 275. Like, he's not hurting you anywhere. So, it's one of those. It's not sexy at all. And that's why he kind of floats around and falls and drafts. Uh, But at the same time, he's one of those where you can be like, you know what? That's a pretty good corner infielder late in the draft that I really never have to worry about all season. Yeah. I just plug, plug, and you know,
2: play. and I actually, I own him. No, I actually own him as a corner infielder in a 20 team dynasty. And he's a, he's nice. a, set it, like you're saying, he's set it and forget it. I actually love him having him in that spot. But mm-hmm. um, as far as like a 15 team redraft, yeah. um, you know, it's not bad. It, like you're saying, he plays every day. So it's, it's not a bad option to have um, it, if you're it,
1: struggling it, for a corner spot. It'll be funny. I, I I don't know if it's ever going to happen with him because, like you said, he's done his entire career over, like, 5,700 at-bats. We've seen this consistent, just beat the ball into the ground like it stole something. But it's one of those weird things, the way the game keeps changing. These guys, like, they go on the offseason. They get new hitting gurus. You know, he's in San Diego now after a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, one of these years, if he just shows up and goes all Daniel Murphy on us and starts <laughs> just elevating everything, whoever just takes that non-sexy gamble might win their league. Yeah. It would just be stupid. But – I don't know if he's the guy to do it, but you never know, I guess. Right. For sure. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about is I really like this because Nomar Mazar is a guy I have banged the drum on for a while, and he's very frustrating. He's very young, so a lot can still change. He's going to the White Sox now, where he's not going to hit in the middle of the order like Texas. He's not going to be expected to be the man, um, but he's a super ground ball guy that hits the ball harder than a lot of guys in baseball. So 47% ground ball rate, only one bathroom ball been a 114, but he has a lot of like 100 mile an hour ones. Very hard-hit machine. He's a guy I wouldn't be surprised if he finally starts to figure it out in Chicago. What are your thoughts on Mazzara?
2: Well, are we sure that he's not Eric Hosmer's like <laughs> brother or something? You might be I mean, onto something there. You might I mean, be onto something. Both like six-five big guys that hit the ball on the ground too much, uh, but also hit the ball hard. So uh, yeah, I don't know. That's true. Um, it's true. True. He's yeah I think he had the longest home run last year over 500. Feet. Yes. I mean, it just it's hard for me to put I think he had a second one that was like 490 or something. And so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to kind of fathom a guy who can hit the ball that hard and just can't I mean, he's he's consistent but he's not consistently great. And so um you know, I it's he's kind of an enigma to me as well. I've kind of been on him and I think I might be off of him this year. His strikeout rates slowly going up. Um, and he's kind of headed from one friendly venue to another change of scenery can be good, but it can also kind of hinder, uh, some growth as well. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because he's also cheaper than he's been in a long time. He's still very young, as you said. So there is buying opportunity. I just, I'd like to see a little bit of, uh, evidence that he's going to change an approach or something like that, that, that gets me going on him because he just, he can't seem to be consistent. He he doesn't consistently hit the ball in the air or hit it extremely hard
1: in the air. And I just need to see that before I really buy in. So I don't, I don't fault you for that. He he does bring big risks to the table. Going about pick two fifty seven right now. He's not going to be a, uh, you have to be pretty comfortable in what you have if you're picking him up. So don't, don't bother with that at all. Uh, Last guy I want to bring up here is Yandy Diaz first base, third base eligible for now. He's healthy. We've, we've said it in Cleveland forever, elevate the ball, and, he, and he'll hit home runs. He hit 14 homers, but in a weird way, he still didn't elevate the ball. Over 51% ground ball rate. This is one of those guys that could hit 30 home runs if he ever figured it out. But let's take 20 to 25 for now. Are you liking right. him at all this year? He's going about to pick 234.
2: Yeah, I I like Yoke D'Andy. He's a, he's a Yoke beast. Yoke D'Andy. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like I that. Mean, I mean, yeah, I mean that you've seen the pictures. I mean, that, oh, yeah. He's oh, monster. he's a beast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know he's he has actually made improvements and this is what I like to see his ground ball rates. Now they've been partial seasons before last year, but it went from 59% in 2017 to just under 51% last year. It's still high, but he's increasing uh, he's increasing his fly ball rate, which is good. Um, and he's also um, needs to pull the ball more. He he, hit, he used to hit the ball to the opposite field a whole lot, and you know. Actually, there's an interesting set, and I got a question for you, Bubba. Mm-hmm. Prior to 2019, Yandy hit 44 fly balls. Mm-hmm. How many of those fly balls were pulled?
1: Uh, since you're asking me, I'm going to guess like two or three.
2: Almost. It was one. Yeah, and... I figured if you're asking it, it means he's not pulling the baseball. Right. And then in 2019, um, he had 80 fly balls, which is almost twice as many but he pulled 16 of those or 20, 20%. So he went from pulling 2.3% of his fly balls to 20%. So, I mean, you know, that to me is a clear approach change. And he he went from um, Cleveland to Tampa Bay. So it seems like they made the adjustments that they need to make. And if he continues in that trend, hits fewer ground balls, pulls more fly balls, I could see him reaching 30 home runs over like 600 plate appearances, which again, there's play there could be playing time issues there. He's he's slotted to play third, but he's not a great defender. They've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of first baseman and DH type bats over there. So, you know, hopefully he does get everyday playing time because I do think the potential is there to hit, hit over 30 home runs. He seems like he's made the adjustment um, to kind of take the next step. So I'm excited about him. Um, But, uh, and I think his, his, value isn't too bad i think it's uh is it near 200 i think is adp currently
1: like 234 like that.
2: yeah well, that's pretty yeah that's not bad yeah. at all that's that's where i'd be willing to take the risk and i think he can hit for a decent batting average as well so he's he's not a bad option
1: uh in my opinion yeah i i think i even when i doing my third base rankings i think i put him at like 17 overall Nice. And it was, I, I was debating higher, but I, I I love the top 15. I got Miguel Sano at 15 and he's not going past. Yeah, that's past tough. He, he's, not, <laughs> he's not going past Miguel Sano. I have a very yeah. soft spot for Miguel Sano. So yes, uh, that's not sure. happening. But yep. uh, let's talk about his it. good kind of segue because what we expect, maybe earned home runs with with, uh, with Yandy Diaz. You've been working on this for almost a couple of years now, I believe. Like we talked about this before and you've kind of developed it, worked some more between your – your um, you know, part factors or pull factors, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And you got your earned home runs and you, and you kind of up, had an update here recently with some with lists and other things for listeners that might not know about it for some reason. Can you um, let them know, like kind of give them the cliff notes version on what this earned home run stat is you developed? Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a metric
2: that I developed and it measures the number of home runs that a player earned during the season. So, it's a descriptive metric, not necessarily predictive, but I'm exploring to see if there's any year-to-year correlation um, to see if it is a little bit predictive, which from from 2018 to 2019, it was slightly better than just looking at home runs per fly ball or home runs per, per plate appearances. The earned home runs per fly ball and per plate appearance performed a little bit better than just using home runs. So, it potentially is on the right track, but we've got a long way to go. Um, it's based on Statcast barrel metric, so that's the main component, um, and for those that don't know exactly what a barrel is, it's obviously the highest batted ball quality. It's a hit that has a minimum exit velocity of 98 miles per hour and hit it a launch angle range between 26 degrees and 30 degrees, and that um, launch angle range expands by one degree in each direction, the harder you hit for, for every mile per hour that you hit the ball harder, so if you hit the ball at 99 miles an hour, the launch angle range expands from uh, to 25 to 31 degrees. So, and so on and so forth. So, um, the re- I mean, barrels are um, just the best metric we have to measure power. Awesome. And it is, um, barrels per plate appearance is uh, very predictive year to year. And so, um, I was looking at the uh, last three years for barreled balls and the batting average on barrel balls is 805. So oh, wow. I mean, they're, they're hits <laughs> 80% of the time and the slugging on those uh, barrels are 2.78. That's almost a triple in value. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the basic, uh, the basic, basic component. And then I regress all of the hitters to the league average home run per barrel rate, um, which in 2019 was 60%. And then I incorporate other factors into the equation like fly ball rate, uh, fly ball direction. So like pulled fly balls or or opposite field fly balls, exit velocities to all fields. And then my home run park factors for the players' home parks. And so I throw those all into an equation and then come up with uh, players' uh, earned home runs. So that's kind of the gist of the
1: the metric. And and, uh, it's it's a very convenient metric and there's a lot of different ones going around. I'm not gonna say that any of them are the same, but I, I like using them all to kind of, Compare things. I've had different guys on the show to talk about them because I think there's there's very good parts of all of them to use together and, and they're in their right manner. And like what you've done with your pulled your pulled research and your and your ballpark factors, I think are a nice little incorporation here. And you've mentioned you know Alex Chamberlain in your article and others. Mm-hmm. You kind of you guys all kind of in a way work together to uh, to do this by just kind of throwing out different ideas and and making it work. Um, at the bottom of this article, it's really cool. You have you know there's 235 guys here you can shrink it you can do whatever but you have the barrels that's from the last 3 years or this year I want to make sure I got this right that's uh like say the Jorge Soler there That for uh, just are you looking this at season the
2: earned home runs or the park factors
1: no i'm at the very very bottom of your article on um earn run home runs complete list and correlations it came out on december 10th Yes. um at the very bottom so I got Jorge Soler 70 is that barrels from this last year or the last three years? that's just, that's last year yep oh goodness gracious um <laughs> yeah, so <to> <laughs> 70 that's why I had to double check I know he crushed a lot of baseballs but wow yes. um so it's it's convenient to, look to get the the barrels the home run per barrels his actual home runs and then your estimated so as crazy as the years he had he hit 48 homers your estimated home runs was over 49 home runs yeah so when we're looking at this you have the Delta there and everything. How do we utilize this to kind of maybe find a sleeper or an overachiever? What should we do with that?
2: Yeah. So I think for a guy like Jorge Soler, it's kind of justifying what he did last year is what Mm -hmm. it's saying. It's it's not, I wouldn't say, you know, Oh, he's going to hit, he's going to hit 49 home runs next year because you know, that's what this says. But what it means is that he actually crushed the ball last year. I mean, he earned everything that he got last year and maybe more. So, you know, even if he regresses some, he keeps some of those gains, he should have a really nice season where I look at it to benefit for the next year is looking at guys who are uh, kind of outliers. So like CJ Cron or Cron is he had uh,
1: 53 barrels
2: and only hit 25 home runs. That's a 45. He had a 45.2 home run per barrel rate, which is extremely low uh, compared to the league average. Um, he also was low on uh, non-barreled home runs. And so um, he also was in a better park than he's going to next year. He's fortunately going to Comerica Park, which suppresses home runs. But he had he was unlucky last year um, and he earned 39 home runs and obviously only ended up at 25. So, you know, something like that, if you look at, um, you know, looking at guys that are outliers like that, you can kind of say, OK, you know, maybe they don't meet that earned home run total, but they clearly, the quality of contact was, was good enough that they should have hit this many home runs. So uh, you would expect them to improve next year. Uh, not necessarily meet that number, but I would expect those players to improve and then likewise for the ones who,
1: who were outliers on the other end. Man, seeing CJ Crohn's number there. I'm a big Crone fan and <laughs> I, him in Minnesota, I love. I say it every year and someone releases them and I just don't understand why after one year of doing great things and sure. they get rid of them. And then I, I like he's got yeah. Detroit because it's an everyday job. That's awesome. Right. But yes, it's like you said, and and you've done your research on it, and it shows if you pull it in Detroit, you're fine. If mm-hmm. you get it to center field, you're a dead man. Right. So and he has a 38% pull rate, but then a 30 almost 38% straightaway rate. That's, yeah. If he can improve on that at all, that'll be pretty nice. So that's not bad. League average pulled fly ball rate is around 24%.
2: So he's already, he's already got the right approach. So he might not be as hurt as much as people would think based on the park change. Um, I, you know, I don't think it's too bad. The lineup, the lineup's poor, but Mm -hmm. um, so his counting stats are going to hurt, but I I think he's a decent buy um, where he's going in drafts. He's going to be a decent play.
1: Yeah. Another one that stands out quite a bit. He's still unsigned, but I think you've tweeted out stats of his. I know I have, and others have Marcelo Zuna sitting there. He had 29 last year, should have, expected home runs is almost 37. So that's a good one to pay attention to. Rugner Odor, <laughs> man. What are you doing with Rugner Odor? Because I, I understand the expected home runs. He hit 30, expected 40. <laughs> but man, is he a frustrating specimen.
2: Yeah, I was surprised. When I did this research, I couldn't believe it how many barrels he hit and how well he hit the ball. But he's just so inconsistent. He has really poor... Um, his pop-up rates are insanely high. And I know he sells out for power. And that's why he's able to to compile the barrels and the home runs, but strikeout rate poor. his bad. going to be awful. Um, and even playing time could become in, in question if he really, um, you know, becomes a negative asset offensively because Texas seems to be going for it. So if he really struggles, you know, a guy like Nick Solak could go in and, and play a little second base. So he's, he's a question mark um, just because of the inconsistency in his batted ball profile.
1: Yeah. I would love to see some Nick Solak consistent playing time. That would yeah. be excellent. <laughs> um let's talk about it i i believe last time i had you on we actually you developed some of your uh part factors on like pull percentage home runs and we we did the talk about houston is a great ballpark mm-hmm. um if you go on the opposite of what you know the cj crones of the world out Bregman hit 41 home runs last year but his expected home runs is a little less than 27 um what are we doing with Bregman? because i'm scratching i almost I almost ranked him at number five at third base, but I know I get murdered if I did that.
2: Yeah, so Bregman, Bregman's interesting. He's an interesting case because um, I factor in the home ballpark and the pulled fly ball rates, and he still ended up being Mm -hmm. this low. Um, So what I will say is if you look, and I've been kind of incorporating some of – Alex Chamberlain's research on deserved barrels, which is also fantastic. You should check that out. He's over Mm -hmm. at Rotographs. Um, His deserved barrel metric kind of is similar into looking at as uh, like, as my earned home runs is he's looking at what did they, what were their deserved barrels or like, what did they earn based on um, their actual quality of contact? And, and with Bregman's, he is, he underperformed his deserved barrel. So he should have had several, you know, maybe, Um, a barrel rate of like nine percent instead of his like 4.5 percent and so that if you take that into account with my equation he actually earned close to 40 home runs so it's a kind of a little bit of uh, you know using two different metrics to combine where he got so like I I kind of feel like you know what he did last year was legit Mm -hmm. given his batted ball profile and his and his home park but he just he does a great job of pulling a ton of fly balls and he hits them just enough. I mean they're you know they're high quality. They might not always be barrels, but they're 370 foot fly balls down the line. So those are home runs. <laughs> so
1: he's yeah he's nothing we can do about case. it.
2: He's he's an interesting case, but a guy like Brett Gardner right below him yeah that I don't trust. That no. to me is not legit and and that's not you're not going to sell anyone on that because he's 37 years old and you know, he's not going to repeat his 28 home runs, but
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, Trevor's story is an interesting one, but another guy I wanted to ask you about, because he had a huge season last year for the D backs at Orto Escobar, 36 barrels, almost 67% home run per barrel hit 35 homers. So legit, almost a home run per barrel, well, obviously some are non-barreled, but mm-hmm. um, an expected home run a little less than 28. That's a seven home run swing when you're looking to draft him, it's like where you're drafting him, you want the 30 plus, and if you're going to mm-hmm. drop him down, it's something to keep an eye on. Did you see anything, or do you have any thoughts on Eduardo Escobar?
2: Yeah, he's another one that had a lot of non-barreled home runs, um, and so, and he does have a, a high pulled fly ball rate. So he he similar to Bregman, he's a he has a pretty good hit tool. He has good contact rates. He's not certainly in Bregman's class, but he has been uh, pretty consistent at pulling fly balls and he increased them last year. So I think he's a guy who could probably keep some of his gains, but even the earned home runs had him at almost 28 and he, his previous career high was 23. So he clearly made some adjustments I think to improve. And I don't think it's that off base to expect something between 25 and 30 home runs from him next year. um, But I wouldn't expect 30,
1: 35. So it's pretty interesting when you're looking through these, when you kind of go from the bads and the goods a lot of the same teammates show up on these lists. It makes you wonder if ballparks are a factor by chance. Right. Um, so it is very interesting when you scroll through this uh, before we move on from this on second, I'll let other people peruse it because I can literally just keep scrolling down and asking you questions on guys. But um, <laughs> any other things that stood out to you, maybe things you're working on to keep going? Cause like I said, you keep, you've been working on it for a while and it just keeps improving and improving and improving. What uh, any other final thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. Uh, I haven't really decided how I want to do this, but I, Kind of have been thinking like not all barrels are created equal and that's based on launch angle and it's based on exit velocity and you know just because a ball is 98 miles an hour within a 26 to 30 degree launch angle it's a barrel but it's not the same as someone hitting the ball 114 miles an hour at an ideal launch angle you know so um so maybe kind of categorizing that way and then even launch angles a barrel you can actually have a barrel at an eight degree launch angle, but that's never going to be a home run. It's just not high mm-hmm. enough. You can't hit a ball hard enough to, to make that a home run. So there's some, you know, if I'm if I'm just looking at it in terms of barrels and home runs, I probably can eliminate some of those outliers to kind of tighten up the the research a little bit. So that's just a little something I've been thinking about, but we'll see how I can incorporate that into the next round
1: <laughs> yeah no I like how you say that too because it, it is a thing that you just see barrels and it's kind of like you see home home runs mm-hmm. there, well there's non- barreled home runs and, and not every barrels created equally so mm-hmm. I do like how you said that it'd be fun to be able to decipher that and uh, get a better understanding on that situation but um, let's look at some players some guys that you've been tweeting out some guys you've written about I know some guys that you've been in conversations with. So, I like to get you know my guests to mm-hmm. talk about guys they like to talk about. So, uh, let's get some input on some guys that are kind of question marks around the industry these days. Cattell Marte being the first one. You know, he's going to pick 30, almost pick 40 right now in ADP since the 15th. Uh, he's come off 32 home runs last year, a 329 average. Uh, you look at Steamer, 23 homers, 296 for 2020. It's weird because I've heard some really smart people saying, no, this is who he is. He's a 30 plus home run guy. I've heard others that want to take the steamer approach. Where do you sit in this conversation?
2: Well, I love Marte, so I'm biased, but uh, um, yeah, he, I mean, he had a major breakout last year. There's no doubt. And, you know, I, as you said, there are some people calling for regression and I, it's valid because, you know, he goes from, you know, 13 home runs to 30. Um, So, you know, there's, I, I understand the argument, but, you know, we were just talking about earn home runs. He actually earned all of his home runs in 2019. And so that shows me that he made huge strides in quality of contact and really almost every facet of his game. Um, I actually sent out a tweet recently comparing his skills from this year to Francisco Lindor's in 2018, and they were nearly identical. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he the difference is Lindor has been doing it for years and Marte just did it this year and they're both the same age. So, you know, it's not quite apples to apples and I'm not saying you know, he's going to have a Lindor type season, but his skills match Lindor's, which, you know, I think at least justifies the ADP around 40. Um, And I would say that that's not a bad price. I would take that he does offer power, he does offer a little bit of speed. And I think the batting average is safe given his 13% strikeout rate. So, you know, for me, I'll take the over on the power projections from Steamer. And I still think he's, he's a 300 hitter with the 20-steal speed is in there. I just don't know if he's going to be as aggressive on the base pass, but he has had a good success rate. So, you know, I still think he's a, he's a nice pick at, at pick 40, and he, he is eligible at second in outfield. So, yep. you know, I I, I love Cattell Marte, and I probably always will, so <laughs> I, mean, I might be a little bit biased. So what are your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I don't blame you on that. It's one of those guys I've had on a dynasty league forever, and I was so close to dropping him at times because of the Mariners, and it just seemed mm-hmm. like it, it was never going to happen. Right. Um. And then it happened. And, and the thing you mentioned, the steals, that's that extra caveat is I know I beat it in the ground and every other podcast and article beats it in the ground of, you know, the attacking steals early or getting the guys that give you a little bit. is one of the guys that gives you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he might not run as much, like you said, because, A, it's hard to run when you hit home runs. And um, B, he's more in the middle of the order now. So he's kind of expected to not get on base and try to score. He's more driving and runs. So it's a different yeah. philosophy with Marte these days, but I agree. It's one of those things he had that prospect pedigree forever. So yes, he exploded from 14 homers to 32 and previous to 14. He had like five or six. I get how it's surprising, but he made the move and the steals are there. The batting average is awesome. And the biggest thing, and you've said it there, his strikeout rates always been very good. Mm-hmm. So he's going to put the ball in play. If he's hitting the ball hard, like he is. And if the bouncy balls in play, he's going to be very, very good. So I'm not. I'm still not completely sold on, you know, 35 plus homers, but I won't argue it. There's other guys I'll argue on like, no, this isn't, I don't believe in this, but he, he could even take that next step. So I, I can with you there exceed some moonshots and he's only 26 years old. So he can still be developing that swing. That's another thing that a lot of people, I don't think really focus on as right. much when it comes to Cattell Marte, right? One guy, they do focus on lack of power or something along those lines. Alberto Maldesi, <laughs> this guy, um, he's really, really good. I'll admit that in a heartbeat, like really, really good. But he's also polarizing, extremely polarizing because if healthy, if he goes to pick four, he goes two picks after Cattell Marte these days, um, he can steal you he stole forty three bags in hundred and two games last year. He had nine homers. The power he can get you you know, fifteen homers and probably fifty five plus steals if he plays the full season. We just haven't seen that, Max. What's your thoughts on uh, Mondesi? Because I think I've seen four articles this week, and everybody talking about him, <laughs> and it's you love him or you hate him. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I'll I'll fully admit that uh, I'm in a, a draft Champions League uh, currently, in the middle of a draft, and I drafted him in the third round. So.
1: <laughs> but it's, let me real quick, real quick. Did you draft him because your first two guys weren't steals guys? No. Or did you draft him because you love him? Um, I, I like him. I don't know if I love him. I know the questions
2: <laughs> around him, but he has game-changing speed. I actually I drafted uh, Betts uh, and then Clevenger, so okay. it wasn't like I was in need for yeah. uh, steals, but I also didn't want to worry about it later. Okay. And so I thought that you know, Mondesi is a guy that really can give you first-round talent if he's if he's healthy. Number one, uh, um, if he performs to the skills that we think he can reach, but he's got to deal with the shoulder injury. Um, we've got to see how aggressive the Royals are with him. So, you know, I I was just taking a risk with him because I wanted the speed. Um, I was looking at his stats. He's got 943 plate appearances in the in the majors with 26 home runs and 89 steals. That's a 16 homer, 57 steal pace. You know, that's basically what you're hoping from Trey Turner in a, in a healthy season. So you know when he's on the field he performs like a borderline first second round talent so um i just don't know if we can expect 600 plate appearances i would cut it down closer to maybe 500 mm-hmm. um but even still he's he's got quite a bit of value we'll see how the shoulder progresses all the news coming out at least that i saw recently has been that he's slightly ahead of his rehab and so he should be ready for opening day maybe he starts a little sluggish i don't know but if he's ready for opening day Uh, I got to feel good about that. And so, you know, and he's another guy that does have sneaky power. He underperformed on my earned home run metric as well. He uh, had nine home runs and he earned uh, 14, I think. So, and that was in 400 and some odd plate appearances. So, you know, getting 18 to 20 in a full season from him isn't out of the question. He's still extremely young. So, you know the dreams of a 2060 season are kind of, are <laughs> kind of what
1: <laughs> what yeah. I
2: drafted him on. But I, you know, I like I said, I have as many questions as anyone else. His plate approach is is terrible. Um, but he seems to get it done when he's on the field. So th- those are my thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's he's a major risk, and you said it. I think i said it. A lot of people have said it. It's just if you admit that it, the risk is there and you're good with it, I think he's a really good pick. And I'm 100% on board with that. Um, it, it's just. Man, shoulder injuries scare me, but the good thing is yeah. if you're drafting him for steals, the shoulder doesn't affect him stealing bases. So that's a good thing. Uh, you might lose some power that way, but we'll wait and see. With technology nowadays, every injury is different than it used to be. It's hard to really say how it's going to finish out. Just for fun, I know they're getting drafted at different times, but you mentioned his name, and I agree there are great comparisons, and they both also have injury pass. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick just one, regardless of – where they were drafted. Say they are drafted at the same spot in the draft. Would you rather have Trey Turner or Adelbert Delmondo? Uh Trey Turner. Okay, just wanted to yeah. check. Okay. Yes. Um, sure. yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's where I am. But I'm also a big Trey fan. Like, I yeah. no, I've yeah. bought I bought in, and it's scary because he has the same risk, but he's two rounds earlier. So right. <laughs> no, like I, I like little, I like Trey. Yeah. No, I definitely.
2: Yeah. Like. He he showed some gains in power, so I I like him.
1: And that's the big thing I think people ignore because they just talk speed with him and right. he gets on base and scores. The dude legit can hit 25 home runs. Like, yeah. he's a very powerful hitter. If they ever wanted to move him, like, third in the order, we might lose some steals, but then he might get you 25 and 45. Like, that's yes. insane. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we want from Acuna, and you're getting, it, like, five picks later. Exactly. Yes. So keep that in mind. Um, a guy that I saw you tweeting about, and I love it because, A, it tilts Justin Mason anytime he sees it on his timeline. And, B... <laughs> He's actually a good player, and people still hate him. Like, playing DFS, I learned to appreciate Dansby Swanson. When he hit towards the top of the order, he was really, really good. At the bottom, not so much. Obviously, we see that with a lot of young players or players in general. But he still finished with 17 homers and 10 stolen bases last year. Steamer has him for 18 homers and 10 stolen bases. Average isn't great, but where you're drafting him at right now, Max, is around – I just had it right here. Uh, Pick 224. Yeah. Shortstop, super deep what is it with Dansby Swanson that stands out to you as appealing?
2: Yeah. And I think that's the 25th shortstop, which is just insane. <laughs> yeah, it's So deep. So, so deep. deep. Um, I do like Swanson for 2020. He's kind of like my kettle Marte from last year, but his ceiling isn't as high. Um, and I actually think that he broke out last year um, without really anybody noticing based on the surface stats. He had a heel injury in July and it really hampered his production when he came back. I mean, he, he basically did nothing upon his return. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, even if you look at his metrics, he he more than doubled his barrel rate. He improved on his exit velocity by three miles per hour on average, increased hard hit rate by 7%. Everything just looked looked great. And even the launch angle um, went up only by two degrees, but the improvements are cutting down on pop-ups and cutting down on ground balls, and he increased his line drive rate and fly ball rate. So he's getting, he's tightening up his launch angle. He's hitting more valuable fly balls. I don't know if you remember uh, the uh, XStats website created by Andrew Perpetua. It's now long gone, but I used to love that site. And he had two metrics for like the best and worst contact. And the best contact were called like barrel hit percentage. And then there was poor hit percentage. And that's kind of what he's, what Dansby's doing is he's cutting down on the poor hit percentage and adding to those value hit percentage. And it just didn't show up in his surface stats. But the metrics say that he's really improved in those in those ways. And I think that at his age at 26, I think he's he's ready for, for a full breakout if he can get a full season. The one issue is the batting order that you have already mentioned. He was fantastic at the top of the order, but they're going to have – he's going to have a hard time cracking that top of the order because you've got Acuna, Albies, Freeman, um, and he's definitely not getting in the top three unless something happens to one of those guys. So, you know, he might end up hitting fifth, best case scenario, but most likely sixth. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's going to hurt his production. So, you know, maybe he gets some opportunities hitting second, or uh, maybe they don't sign a big free agent. Maybe they don't sign uh, Donaldson back. um, And he can kind of bump up in the order, maybe hit fifth in some days and get some run production. But I do like the skills. I just don't Mm -hmm. know how much production we're going to get out of a, out of a six hole hitter, Um, but it's still a pretty deep lineup. So, you know, that I like him um, and I like where he's going. And shortstop's very deep. He could, mm-hmm. he definitely be a good middle infielder for pretty much any of my teams. So.
1: Yeah, and that that's the thing with him. Was I'm glad you mentioned it. Is they're they're so deep there. He's very very good, but he, he's on that list of guys that we have to really pay attention to where they're going to be hitting because yeah. uh, it does, as silly as it sounds, it will affect quite a bit. Uh, Danby, Swanson or Paul Leon. Swanson. They're going right next to each other. Dansby or Deedy.
2: Um, that's a that's a close one. Um, I think I'm gonna just give uh Swanson the edge for the speed, just a little bit of speed.
1: It's close, yeah. Dd Dd in Philadelphia might be fun. It's it, interesting be, to see. He's solid. It's a solid pick as well. Um, one of the the, the favorites out there, Kevin Newman or Danzy Swanson. Uh, I think I'll go Swanson. Nice. We're we so Swanson was 224, Newman's 184. I'm just trying to give everybody an idea here. That's about
2: we're, where I'd take him, yeah. If, yeah, because we're going to jump.
1: The next one's 167, Gene Segura. Uh,
2: you know, Gene, he's, he's primed for a bounce back. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like Segura, but that's that's a close one. That's about where,
1: where I'd put him. Yeah. It just shows you how deep the position is. Right. And uh, on a side note, you mentioned Andrew Perpetua. Mm-hmm. Um, about a half hour before we started recording, he tweeted out now that he's a free agent. So we oh. might get our stats back here pretty soon. There you go. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Like I, I, I feel bad that he doesn't have his right. job with the Mets anymore. But for the rest of the fantasy world, uh, he didn't say what he's gonna do. But that might be a whole new world back yeah. to us. So I did, not, I did not know that. Yeah, it just happened like literally half hour before. So I think everyone's starting to maybe figure it out. They'll figure it out tomorrow. It right. is. It, it's coming. So it'll be very, very interesting. Yeah. Um. This is a guy that I understand how well he played the last month the two months of the season played very, very well. But Tommy Edmonds pick 131, second base, third base eligible. People are in love with them. He had his 11 home runs in 92 games, stole 15 bags, but then steamers got him for 11 steals and 15 bags in 118 games. Mm-hmm. What do you see in Tommy Edmonds? Cause I really don't know what to do with him.
2: Right. Yeah. It's pretty high. I, the, the market definitely is buying in and, I, I can kind of see why, because some of his numbers look pretty legit. Um, his speed is his best skill. He stole 26 bases and 27 attempts between A and the majors last year. So very, very good uh, success rates. Um, he hit, posted the best power numbers of his career, but he also had the juice ball in A and in the majors. Again, we don't know what's going to happen to that ball. So maybe he continues this power increase, maybe not. Uh, he's got a good hit tool. He's an aggressive hitter. Uh, so he'll have a low walk rate, but should have some um, batting average upside. I just don't know if that 346 BABIP is justified. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I just don't think 130 is – I think 130 is too high. I, I don't mm-hmm. – you know, I don't think he – yeah, I just don't think he, he should be going there. I don't – I mean, maybe he steals 20 bases and hits 10 to 12 homers. That's kind of my thought on Edmund. Um, and that's probably not worth that pick.
1: Yeah, I, I don't see myself getting much Tommy Edmond. I'll be right. totally honest. Because I, I got to be able to sell myself on a guy, and mm-hmm. I, have, I I can't sell myself on, especially pick to 131. It's just mm-hmm. not gonna. That's like round eight, give or take. I'm not doing the math properly, but round eight, somewhere in there, 15 teamer. Yeah, yes. Probably not going to Tommy Edmond. Yeah, so right. <laughs> that's a tough one. All right, let's talk about a few pitchers. We've got uh, about four pitchers I'd like to talk about before we head on out of here. Tyler Beatty near and dear to my heart as a giant fan. Um, people laughed at me when people started writing articles and, and, uh, right. and laughing at it, but they were sitting me joking tweets and in comments this week when articles were coming out from PitcherList.com and other places about how good he is. Because on my DFS show last year, I'd recommend him as a punt all the time because the the upside was always there. He just grooves fastballs too often. Yeah. Um, what is it you're seeing in Tyler Beatty Because he's going to pick 402. And he was once the top pitching prospect on the Giants system. So the talents there, the pitch mix just isn't there yet, but you found a few things out. What did you find out? Yeah, you, you touched on the fastball.
2: He definitely throws that one too much and it is bad. I mean, the results are bad. Um, There's no doubt. It's a, it's above average velocity, but he throws it 56% of the time and it gets crushed and it has a below uh, swinging strike rate, not a good pitch overall. But I did notice at the end of the year in his September starts, he averaged over 95 miles per hour in those final four starts. And, I mean, it's a small sample, but his pitch value uh, based on fan graphs was 5.4 over those four starts. Very impressive. And he did face the Marlins, but he also faced the Dodgers, Braves, and Rockies. So I would recommend Beattie drops the usage of his fastball, but if he can maintain 95-plus, I think it makes – that pitch better and i think it makes the rest of his repertoire better. so i think that's uh an interesting you know an interesting change he can make and again monitor velocities with him. um but what's really interesting is his curveball. his is great. it had uh he only throws it 14% of the time and it has a 16.2% swinging strike rate but the whiff rates like 49% which is uh 49 uh, whiff whiff rate is uh, swings swing and misses Per swing. Um, and he got a 51.7% strikeout rate in his curveball. That's insane. That's basically like Blake Snell, Charlie Morton territory with a curveball. So he's got something really special in his curveball. Um, he just needs to, I think, utilize it a little bit more. And um, he's got a pretty good changeup, too. Um, it, it gives up a lot of weak contact. It has a swing and strike rate well above average at 18.4% um but he doesn't really use it as a strikeout pitch only 22% strikeout rate so you know he's got these great secondaries and then he's even got a slider that he throws that is probably about league average slightly better than league average swing and strike rate that he also should be utilizing more often and it just seems like he doesn't have the right pitch mix i think you know the the fastball clearly not good secondaries Good, very good to well above average that I think he can he can mix in there and if he does that I think we might see an increase in strikeout rate and then I think you see the rest of the numbers come after that so I, I kind of like him as a, a dark horse sleeper and of course he's pitching in Oracle Park which is a fantastic mm-hmm. pitcher park, as you know so I kind of I like I like his upside and he's going I think after pick 400 right now so he's basically yep. free in draft so you know I would take a flyer on him uh, just because there's some there's some good stuff. They're good secondaries with his
1: with his uh, arsenal. Yeah, you're making me get all warm and fuzzy talking about <laughs> how good he is. I've been waiting for this guy. Like I said, I I recommended him a lot. because I know how good he is. It's mm-hmm. just doing it, and it's so frustrating to just yes. be able. To, like I know you know baseball, and a lot of the, these guys do. It's when you're sitting there watching the game, going, "Do this, you idiots! Like, what are you doing? How can right. I figure it out from right here?" But um, yeah, he's going after guys like Jordan Lyles. Would you take BD over Lyles? Yes. BD over Evalvi. Uh, yes. Uh, over Michael Lorenzen? Yes. This is gonna get fun. Over Zach Plecak? <laughs> yes. Jordan Yamamoto?
2: Um, you know I haven't done enough research on Yamamoto, yeah. but probably.
1: <laughs> R- Randy Dobnak? Yes. I'm just trying to let everybody know exactly who he's behind. So we started at pick 402 with BD. Mike Fires. Yeah. Okay you know I don't like
2: Mike Fire's skills, but he seems to always get it yeah. done. He's okay. I just I wouldn't I would take the upside of BD at that point.
1: Well, let's just stop there that's pick 374. So we just jumped yeah. 20 27 or 28 picks. So yeah. that's I'm just trying to explain it's like two rounds of value you're getting right, right now in the grand scheme of things. Uh, let's talk about another young arm in the Brave system here. Mike Soroka. He's going to pick 97 right now. 33rd pitcher off the board. Really, really good season last year. It seemed to kind of maybe fall apart towards the end, but overall he still pitched great. 174 innings. Hasn't really gone that deep in a couple of years since 2017. Uh, went 12 and 10. He had, or he went 12, 13 and 4 with a 2.68 RA and a 3.85 5, xFIP, which is still pretty darn solid. Um, you know, you have a, a home run per nine, of 0.72 in the bouncy ball era. That's pretty good too. What's your thoughts on Mike Soroka? Because I've seen him start to kind of fall a little bit. It seems like people are kind of stepping back from Mike Soroka.
2: Yeah. Soroka, Soroka is interesting because he's got that power sinker, which a lot of people are going away from sinkers nowadays because they get crushed, but his is actually extremely good. Um, and he gets a ton of ground balls doing it. Um, uh, but, his strikeout rate's extremely low, 7.3% K or 7.3 K per nine. I mean, in today's day, uh, starting pitchers almost average nine stri- strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, so that's, that hurts you in that category. But what i what I was interested in, when I looked into Soroka was his changeup. He only throws it 12% of the time and he's got a 22.2% swing strike rate on it. Um, league average for changeups is 15.1% swinging strike rates. So that's over 7% better than league average. Um, and he even throws it in the zone 42% of the time, which means he can get called strikes. He can throw it for strikes and he can also uh, get whiffs on it. So I think if he can increase the usage of that pitch and use it as a kind of put away pitch, he can increase his strikeout rate and that can really boost his value. Um, it actually had a, his pitch value per 100 thrown was actually 1.83, which was the best of all his pitches. So it makes sense for him to throw that pitch more often. Um, and so you know, I, I just think it's a really – uh, the O-swing on it was was okay, but he had a 65.7% zone contact rate, which is extremely, extremely low. That's fantastic. Um, and so I don't see – you know, I see if he increases the usage of his pitch, his strikeout rate can get up to at least league average or better, and that makes him a lot more appealing than a guy with such a low strikeout rate. So maybe he doesn't keep the ERA gains or the, the ERA that he had and kind of gets closer to his FIP or XFIP. But I think he can increase the strikeout rate if he throws his change it more often.
1: I like that a lot. I think he's a very, very good arm. Um, I like the uh, pitch mix suggestions you have there and the fact that Sinker is much better than people think. Because he had an amazing year last year. And obviously, do I expect him to have a, a sub-3 ERA? Probably not. That's really difficult these days. I'm not foolish mm-hmm. to that. But I'm also aware he's going to be – I think he's going to be pretty darn good. So um, the, the fall of, of love for him, I guess, it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Kyle Gibson, a guy that if people laugh at me, but in a dinosaur league, I had him for like five years in a row because he was cheap, and um, he's, he puts innings together, and he doesn't crush you all the time. 4.85 ERA last year, 3.8 XFIP. He's actually much better than people give him credit for, at least in my mind. Slider is filthy. I've seen many people talk about it. What do you have on Kyle Gibson who's going at pick 339 right now?
2: Yeah, Gibson does have an elite slider. He also has a pretty good changeup that he only throws 16% of the time. He gets chases on that pitch 46% of the time and has a swinging strike rate over 20%. So, pretty similar to the results we saw from Soroka, but he even gets ground ball rate. Uh, he gets ground balls at 58%, which is fantastic. So, his changeup on the surface looks bad because it had a negative 1.9 pitch value per fan graphs, but he kind of was unlucky with a 349 BABIP compared to his 278 career BABIP. He also gave up a ton of home runs on it. So it's interesting because I think he can utilize the pitch more, but he also has trouble throwing it for strikes. And that's where the issue comes in. All of his secondaries have an under 30% zone rate. And so he really only can utilize those for kind of strikeout pitches, for swings and misses. And his fastball and sinker are the only pitches he can throw for strikes. And those are awful.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. so that's where
2: kind of the, the issue comes in with, with Gibson, if he can figure out a way to throw one of these secondaries for called strikes that kind of uh, you know, then he can kind of start throwing them more, more frequently and kind of get, get more swings and misses um, and not get crushed by the fastball so often. So he's a, he's an interesting case. You know, he's a veteran. We know what he is, but if he can figure something out with this pitch mix um, get better control, um, he might be worth that pick at 360.
1: Yeah, I'm holding out hope. You know, going to Texas, climate controlled environment, the new stadium. Plus, we've seen what Texas did with Lynn and Minor, yeah. kind of working with their pitch mixes and utilizing their best aspects of their game and saw how well they pitched. Am I saying Gibson's as good as Lynn or Minor? Probably not, but I don't think he's that far off. So yeah. I, I think if they work with him the right way, they might be able to make it work and that'd be pretty darn solid at that point in time, maybe your fifth, sixth starter or something like that, maybe seventh starter. Right. That could be something pretty solid to plug and play, especially on uh, 2 start weeks. That could be something to look at. Uh, the last guy I want to I want to talk about because it's nice to hear about from somebody else besides Mr. Uh, Toby. Uh, this is not Bubba in the backflip. No, this is just Benson Bubba, but um, Joe Musgrove. This is a guy that many a people, many, not even just Toby, you know, Matt Modique is in love with them. A guy is, have fallen victim to Joe Musgrove because his xFIP year after year is much better than his ERA, but last year was just a roller coaster ride of all roller coaster rides. Uh, Steamer has him for a 4.26 ERA, 4.3 xFIP coming into 2020 in 179 innings. I mean, when you look at his draft price, it ain't cheap. It's 213 right now. What do you have on Musgrove? Do we have optimism here? There is some, and I was into him last year, and he did not
2: uh, he did not live up to expectations, unfortunately. Um, but what I did notice with his pitch mix was that his he added a curveball this year, and he threw it 9% of the time, and it was pretty damn good. He had a 17.4% swinging strike rate. He could throw it for strikes. He got chases over 40% of the time and had an extremely low contact rate. Um, and I kind of identified this one as one of the most underutilized pitches uh, he, because he threw it just 9% of the time, um, and it generates a ton of ground balls also at 60%. So he really gives up a lot of uh, weak contact in addition to swings and misses. And he really only allowed three fly balls on this pitch and all three went for home runs. So that's a little weird quirk in the stats, but that's certainly not likely to happen again. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's it's odd that that happened, but Mm -hmm. that's certainly that's, you know, we can't count on that happening again. Um, But either way, he had a 40 percent K minus walk rate on the pitch. That's fantastic. Yeah. and I did look at from eight sixteen, so August 16th to the end of the season, he increased the usage of the curveball up to 16% from 9%, and the results were much better in those seven starts. He had a 3.57 ERA with a 2.69 FIP, a 1. 9, 1.07 WHIP, and 9.37 Ks per nine. So, I think he figured something out. With that curveball, and he increased the usage, and he got a lot better. So he's got he's got other pitches as well. I mean, he's it's not just the curveball, but he's if that becomes another weapon for him, I can see why people are excited about his
1: breakout. It's uh, I sense a trend, and I know Pitt, Nick Pollock talks about it a lot. You talk about it a lot. A lot of very smart minds talk about it a lot. That um, pitch mix, it's a mm-hmm. big deal, especially these change up curveball, sliders. Maybe utilize them a little more. Just mm-hmm. throwing it out there. It uh, <laughs> yeah. seems to be a good trend for some of these guys.
0: Right. Um,
1: Joe Musgrove, I mentioned, the 82nd pitcher, pick 213. I'm not going to go with the guys behind him because Stroman, Mikolas, Caleb Smith, Lucassi, mm-hmm. interesting. But right in front of <laughs> Musgrove, would you go Musgrove or Fultonevich? Musgrove. Musgrove or – ooh, this is going to be tough. Lance McCullers.
2: Um. I'm going to go uh, Musgrove. I'm not as big on McCullers as, as
1: everyone else. I just am concerned about his innings. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. I love yeah. what he's going to do. Yeah. I think he's going to be very good this year. Mm-hmm. Let's all be real. A season off of Tommy John, we're not going to 170 innings. Right. So just like accept that one. He's getting drafted like he's pitching 170 innings. Right. Um, Musgrove or Kenta Maeda? I like Kenta
2: Maeda. That's a, yeah. that's a good one. and I think Maeda should get quite a bit of run in the rotation. Um, yeah. That's a... That's about where I like him, but I also like Maeda more than others. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's a tough one, but I, I I might go Maeda there.
1: I'm always a huge Maeda fan until the Dodgers decide that, like, oh, hey, it's uh, it's August 15th. Let's put him in the bullpen right. for the rest of the right. year. You. So, you, know, you do it every year yeah. with him. <laughs> so I guess if you're going to draft him, yeah. enjoy it, but be ready to, to move on, basically. Right, for sure. Uh, in FBC, you can't trade him, so you're going to have to mm-hmm. drop him or pray. Right. um so then i'll leave it at that Yeah, you know, like price heaney carlos martinez yeah it gets a little more interesting there jacob mm-hmm. and rizzi i yeah. can see arguments for both sides but musgrove you know it's weird to me because like musgrove and like kyle gibson's i see a lot of comparisons and they're going so far apart it's right just it's it's a very I, odd i situation. think
2: Mus- musgrove can, can is a lot better i think he's got better control and command yeah um and so that's you know he's his walk rates are always very very low so he helps with whip and everything so yeah, I can see why people like Musgrove a lot more than Gibson.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that should wrap us up for episode 234. Uh, if people are curious. We talked a couple pictures because Max has an article coming out pretty soon, but I'll leave that one to the surprise of many. But um, that's just a little hint at that. But before we leave, Max, why don't you remind everybody where they can find your work, where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, you can check out
2: my site, uh, freestats.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter uh, at freestats. If any questions you have, um, writing over at PitcherList.com occasionally uh, and then uh, over at fantasy pros as well. So uh, any of those locations, you can hit me up and ask me any questions.
1: Yeah. I recommend following Max. Like obviously I wouldn't have on the show if I didn't recommend it, but he's a great follow, a great or great guy. He's been on the show three, four times at least now love chatting with yeah. you, Max. So uh, I look forward to doing it again sometime. It's, it's always a pleasure because you're always pumping out content. That's uh, intrigues me to talk about. So um, look forward to doing it again next time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Bubba. I had a great time chatting with you, and, uh, yeah, I'll talk to
1: you again soon. Sounds good, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 234 with Max Freeze talking some fantasy baseball. Catch you guys later.